This is a pre-recorded version of the WTKA Roundtable <laughs> on WTKA, unsurprisingly, 9 o'clock Thursdays. It is recorded, however, so if you call in, no one will answer. Folks here on the Michigan Insider Sports Talk 1050 WTKA online at WTKA.com. Sam Webb, Mr. Ira Weintraub on the other side and joining us as they do every single week for the MGO Blog Roundtable is the MGO Blog crew. And of course, uh, no shortage of topics to talk about this week. Fellas, uh, joining us first is the man who started it all at MGO Blog, Brian Cook. Brian, good morning. How are you? I am well. That is good that you are well, my friend. Seth Fisher, how you doing, man? Brian, close your ears for a second. I can't believe they're moving the fences in Comerica Park after Miguel oh, Cabrera. Right. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, no, no. It's fine that they're doing it now after Miguel Cabrera retires. Ah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Guy could have had I mean, another 100 home runs. Yeah, it's still, I mean, they're moving in, what, from 422 to 412? Yeah, and then, like, taking that whole right field in, and I'm just like, come on. Come it's on. still, you could have done still this. the deepest in the majors, though, right? It's still the deepest in the majors. Sure, but I mean, they did it ten years ago. We would have had fifty more home runs, sixty more home runs. Right, right, no doubt. And Craig Ross, how you doing this morning? I'm doing fine. I, I, I think that Tigers Park is a crappy environment. You want to see a baseball park? Go to Cleveland, and 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 go to the Jake. That's a real baseball park. That's <laughs> been, it. I've been to both of them, man. Let me tell you, I. I mean, I've been to all the baseball stadiums, and let me tell you, yeah. America Park's one of the better ones. Jake's, no, the Jake's great, no, the Jake. but I, that's not true at all. <laughs> all right, so uh, we will obviously be talking about the biggest topic known to man again this year. Uh, that's uh, Jim Harbaugh. But before we do, uh, let's let's knock down the other big happenings in, in college football relevant to Michigan. How did you guys feel watching that national championship game? I mean, did you feel like me? I, I won't. I won't, you know, sort of poison the well with my opinion ahead of time. I'm just curious. Your thoughts, Brian Cook, as you watch Georgia decimate TCU in the national title game? Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know. That, okay, so now I will poison the well. Did you look at it and say, man, if Michigan just had that game, the second half game plan in the first half, uh, even with the mistakes that they made, Man, maybe this is a that would have been a different game. Yeah, I mean it's it was kind of frustrating. I mean there were a number of people on Twitter who were like, "Looks like Georgia read the MGO blog preview," and it's like that's not what happened. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was get your quarterback involved, run a lot of play action, and then you go. There you yeah. go. Exactly what Michigan did in the second half of that game. Your thoughts, Seth? And TCU sat back. I mean, first of all, if if Michigan had been able to hold on to Dan Valar, we all know they would have just been they would have swept right through him. But the uh, the, TCU didn't even have the same game plan as against Michigan. Like, where was that aggressiveness? Why were you Why were you afraid of Georgia, not afraid of Michigan? And I don't want to know the answer because I kind of know the answer. Yeah, the, the the one piece of it that Michigan, you know, clearly offensively, the the game plan that Michigan came with in the second half was excellent, right? And Georgia could have just watched that and crafted their game plan off of that, which I'm assuming uh, when it was played a large role in in how they attacked. But part that Michigan couldn't replicate, Georgia was able to sit back, you know, keep a safety, you know, two safeties back the whole game and defend, you know, defend the box. Uh, defended with a light box in Michigan, I, I think from a whether it's defensive line play and certainly linebacker play, I, I don't think it was up to Georgia's level. So I think Michigan would have won the game. I don't think they would have been as successful in slowing T as successful as Georgia is slowing TCU down. Yeah, and I think one of the major factors in that is that I don't think Mike Morris was 
for close to healthy for this game. Didn't really have much of an impact, didn't play a whole lot. And that's your best defensive player. And Michigan was not able to replace him very easily. So, and, you know, George is a different level in terms of recruiting because they have guys everywhere who, when one guy go out, goes out, someone else can step up. And Michigan has that at some spots, I'd say offense line, running back, but not a defensive end this year. Mm-hmm. The, it wasn't just defensive end either. The, the tackles, and it might have just been the conditions in uh, in Arizona, like the grass is a lot more slippery, which you know changes how line play affects the game on both sides. Um, but Georgia was just breaking through that line every single time. And a lot of times, I was going through the Michigan film. I been I've got most of the um, tape done for upon for the review, and like Michigan's defensive tackles keep getting pushed out of the way. Or they just get no push whatsoever. And sometimes it's Mozzie Smith, but other times it's like Cam Good. And I'm like wondering why that guy was getting so much playing time in this game because uh, it's just, like the some of the things that were working for Michigan all year that got them to 13 and 0 were not working for them against TCU. And then TCU just gets destroyed by uh, Georgia up front. And it's like what what was the difference? Like it was. Are, is that is there really that big of a difference between TCU's line and uh, or Georgia's line and Michigan's line? And you watch the Ohio State Georgia game, and it wasn't like that. So, I I don't I think it's probably the conditions had something to do with like what changed how you could set up how you could you know how much strength on the line is going to affect things, and maybe that just was a, a secret problem for Michigan all game. Craig Ross, your thoughts? Yeah, uh, to me, it's hard for me to analyze this. It feels a lot like just pure randomness. I mean, Michigan, the last two years, has beaten Ohio State, and and both games felt like pretty compelling wins by Michigan. Michigan outplayed Ohio State the last two years. And then they come into the TCU game, and it feels felt like they're just rolling a lot of snake eyes. And, you know, you start talking about, you know, the grass, I don't know, maybe, or Mike Morris wasn't a hundred percent. Well, that's certainly true, but still you managed to give up 51 points to a team that scored seven against Georgia. And my guess is they wouldn't have done a hell of a lot better against Ohio state. And so I don't know. It just feels like one of those sort of random things that happens in the universe that's that's just very difficult to parse in term in terms of logic because uh, it isn't logical. I mean, if Ohio, you would think if Ohio State can play Georgia evenly, and they did, uh, you know, why can't Michigan, a team that dominated Ohio State in the last two times out, also play them evenly or close to it? Yet at the same time, they lost to a team that uh, that lost to Georgia sixty-five to seven, yeah. and could have yeah. been worse. So to me, there's just just one of these things, one of these sort of random things that that goes on in life or the or 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 the universe that is you know not really parsable. All right, so uh, moving on from that, guys, uh, a bit of news that was. Titanic, as far as Michigan's good, because you know if Blake Corman played in that game, uh, there's no way Michigan loses. <laughs> there's no way Michigan loses to TCU, and he's going to be back next year. And Brian, you know, thought of you immediately. You know, you you'd never want to. I'm talking about just in general. You never want to assume you know all of the criteria that goes into a guy's decision. And for Blake, he laid out a series of criteria that led to his decision to return. And this is, I wonder what you think, not only that this means for, for Michigan and you know, how good they will be next year, but what this means for Blake Quorum's legacy among the, the pantheon of Michigan greats. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that does, I think play into the thinking of some people, right? Like Blake didn't get to play in the Ohio state game. He didn't really get to play in the Ohio state game last year. And he didn't get to play in the playoff game. And, you know, I think these days it seems like everybody is wanting to move on to the next thing, but and it takes a, a different kind of guy to look at this and say, this is a four-year period of my career, and I feel like I still have some unfinished business, and that's the thing that matters to me most. And I, I really appreciate that for Blake uh, as, as, a, as a person, as a, as a Michigan player, and I think that if things go well next year that he will you know kind of etch himself into into a pantheon 
where before it's just like this is a really good running back you know you're you might be talking about the best of all time and that's worth something and it's nice that with nil that that the financial package can be enough for blake quorum to make it reasonable for him to return and it's probably not equal but it's close enough and i, I think that it's really good for college football that a guy like blake quorum is coming back Seth? yeah i mean throw some names at you denard robinson Devin Gardner, Braylon Edwards, Mike Hart, whatever you think of like those players and, you know, and they've gone on to do different things, but those names, when you say them to Michigan fans have a lot more meaning than when you say them to like the general football population and all of them to, for different reasons were amazing college players who were just not worth as much to the NFL. And I think Blake, you know, with his size it, and I, it's he's on the borderline because he's going to be a good NFL player. He might not have a long NFL career just because running backs don't and guys his size don't. And that's just kind of, you know, that's been an issue. In college, Blake is the kind of guy who, you know, he goes on the cover of the magazine. He is the, the, the guy who wills his team to a national championship. He is, kids are going to be wearing number two jerseys for him, you know, as well as the other guys that they wear the number two jerseys for. Uh, and and he becomes part of that, you know, he becomes one of those names. You can never, there's no way he's going to be that big, or he could be, but like, he's not going to be Barry Sanders in the NFL, probably. He's going to be one of those guys from Michigan. And because of that value, NIL allows you to say to, say to a guy like that, hey, you know, this is some value that you can add to by coming back a fourth year all those guys I mentioned played their fourth year when they didn't have to for Gardner was his fifth year right and that was part of their legacies the coming back and then having him be the leader of that team and the the face of that team was kind of what made Michigan fans such huge fans of those guys to the point where even if they speak nonsense we still listen to them right so that's where Blake is heading to, I think. That's what he's decided to become. And there's, it's a very rare guy who has that opportunity. But when it does, it's just awesome for college football now under NIL. that It's possible for a guy like that to not just have to move on to the next thing. And, like, we get to have this, right? Yeah, right. he. Uh, I've been watching, I think, the first Michigan game I saw was 1957. Uh, and I think at the time Michigan had a running back named Jim Pace and Jim Pace was a, was a, was a wonderful running back. And since then I've seen one great running back at Michigan after the next. And if you, uh, if you would have asked me who, or if you asked me who I thought was the best of this run of string of incredible running backs, I would probably say Mike Hart, but that changed this year for me. And, and I think right now, if he backs it up with another year, I, I would say the best running back I've ever seen at Michigan is Blake. Is Blake and and it's, that's not recency bias. Uh, in the words of Fred Jackson, he's Mike Hart, but fast. And, uh, and so for us to get the benefit of watching him here for another year is, you know, Wonderful. I hope it's in his interest because uh, I think if I, if he would have asked me, not that he would, but if he would have asked me, I would have said, "Hey, go pro," uh, and mm-hmm. and uh, uh, you know. And so I hope it does work out for him. And he, you know, he is a very community-minded guy. I mean, he's done a lot of stuff, giving giving money away and being a part of. Uh, donating monies and things to people less fortunate. So uh, he seems truly a great kid. And, and so, uh, yeah, you know what, it's a, I'm glad it's a great segue uh, that you just made there for me, Craig, because I I commend some of the uh, folks inside the program who said just that, you know, if, if it's about just pro prospects, they're like, you know, you know, Blake should go. You know, if, if he asks me, I'm going to tell Blake he should go if that's the only criteria. But clearly it wasn't like what Brian said. He has other considerations, his legacy as a Michigan player and the opportunity to compete and the things that he missed out on are super important. Those those are really, really important things in his life, in his career, in his life. And you can make the case. I made this point. You can make the case. And because he's. 
his recovery is what five to six months, I think he said, which is why it gets back to remember when I told you there's no way he's gonna be playing in any of these playoffs. Like I like I I think back to that and it's like, man, people were really thinking he was gonna come back. He never was coming back. And you know, the guys at the time were telling me that on on the inside. And and for him, you can make the case that you know what, I could I could maybe lose some ground by not being able to do any of the combine stuff, right? So come back, you, you're you going to have less tread on the tire next year compared to what was put on them this year because J.J. is going to be more of a factor throwing and running. Donovan is going to be more of a factor. Blake is still going to be emphasized, but not to the point of overuse. And then he can compete in all those things and still have a high profile. And I think the dude, maybe he won't be Barry Sanders, Seth, but he could be Kenneth Walker third. <laughs> I mean, Kenneth Walker III comes into the NFL as a second-round pick and a thousand-yard rusher on a playoff team. I think Blake can do that. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, you got to be ecstatic that a guy values the opportunity that much because selfishly, we all wanted him to come back, right? And that he said, "I got some things that I want to do," even if Jim Harbaugh isn't around. So this is a a jump off for that, uh, Brian. He said, "I don't know what coach is going to do." You know, I, I think he's going to come back, but if he goes to the NFL, he has to do what's best for him. I wish him the best. That's another thing that came screaming out about how good he feels about this. This team is going to be even without Jim next year and how determined he is to take part in that experience. Well, I mean, if you look at it now, Michigan seems incredibly loaded. They got Cornelius Johnson back. Now you can use Donovan Edwards in a hybrid role as a wide receiver. And I mean, honestly, he might be wide receiver one next year. And you got Blake Corum. You got some amount of offensive linemen reinforced by two really good uh, Pac-12 players. You got, you know, Jenkins coming back. You got uh, Josiah Stewart coming in to hopefully fill that edge uh, role. You got linebackers coming back. You got Will Johnson. You got every safety coming back, and really, your only hole is is the one opposite Will Johnson at corner. Michigan has candidates to fill that, and I mean, if you're a cornerback in the portal, that looks pretty good. So, you know, I think that there's a lot to be won for Michigan next year, and and you can uh, three peat is uh, in the cards. It's definitely a possibility. Yeah, I I mean, one question though is Jenkins coming back? That seems less clear to me from things I read this week. He said he was coming back, and then I read things that said, well, no, he hasn't made up his mind yet. You know anything about that, Sam, or am I? Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't uh, seen – he had certainly given indications down in, in, in Phoenix that uh, it was looking like he was coming back, but, you know, I hadn't seen any uh, any waiver. Maybe he's wavered on that. Uh, we'll certainly check into it. Um, but uh, you know the guys that were were focused on as part of that was what they called the one more year campaign from Valiant. Blake was one. CJ Cornelius Johnson was another. Zach Zinner and Trevor Keegan were the guys they uh, were referencing as being on the fence. So um, you know we'll we'll see. I, I think Blake coming back, even with the uncertainty around Jim, uh, could be a lure for any of those other guys that are on the fence. And to be clear, down in in Phoenix, the guys were already saying that DJ was gone. So I don't think that – I don't think Jim uh, – the uncertainty with Jim contributed to his decision in any way, shape, or form. And they were saying that it was looking like Jamon was probably going to go. So I don't think – I mean, may, maybe Jim factored into that some, but this was before the, the Jim to the NFL thing had really – uh, before it really had legs when the guys down there were saying, hey, it's looking like Jamon's probably going to jump too. So um, there's that. But which takes us to Jim Harbaugh, fellas. You know, interviews with the uh, with the Broncos um, virtually. Uh, some some talk in pro circles that he's one of the, the top targets. I think we'll know that for sure if they request an in-person interview. But your your take on this latest NFL dalliance, and we'll start in reverse order with uh, with you, Craig. Uh, this latest NFL dalliance with with Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, I I don't know. I I I write a bit now and again for the Ann Arbor Observer and talk to John Hilton, who I have great respect for, who's the editor over there, and they published a bit this week on their online 
of newspaper saying, picking up report that if Jim Harbaugh receives um, a uh, offer from an NFL team, then it'll be gone. And I, I, so I sent a note over to John saying, you know, I'm not so sure about that. I guess this would be like saying, if I was offered to be king of Spain, then I'm gone. And, and you know, it just feels too facile and not what's really happening here to me. I mean, my guess is Harbaugh is going to be back. Uh, and my guess is he would be crazy to take an offer from the Denver Broncos, which looks like a graveyard to me, given what they've given what their their situation is right now. I mean, they've got a 34 year old quarterback who looks like he's on the decline and no draft picks. Um, and so that makes, you know, really no sense to me. And they seem to watch on Peyton more anyway, even if Peyton would go there. So I, you know, I don't know what, what bothers me about the big picture is, is last year Harbaugh told us this wouldn't happen every year. And now it's happening. One, not, not only is that turned out not to be true, but it's happening a year later and he could have squelched it and he kind of did in December and then he kind of did in January but he but he left open a, a back door saying well you never can tell what the future will bring but I plan to be coaching in Michigan in 2023 uh, it feels kind of it, it doesn't make me feel great uh, I'm sorry I mean I know Ira and Mike Spath are like wake me when it's over and I, and I get that attitude that might be the sane attitude to have um, but I find it aggravating as a fan. I, f I find it a bit aggravating. Uh, I don't know what you guys think, but, uh, to me, just tell us what you're doing. I mean, if you really want the pro job, great. I'm fine. I'm all with you. I mean, he's, he's left Michigan in good shape. He's done a, a terrific job here. Um, and good enough. And if he wants the coach in the NFL, go back, that's fine. But this sort of, you know, straddling, I find aggravating. Seth? The problem is that we, as fans, all get dragged into the contract negotiation. Yeah. And that's all we're talking about here. Michigan, yeah. Harbaugh wants more money. He, has, he wants the respect due to the coach, who's the best coach in the Big Ten, which I think he is now. And he is not being paid like it and he wants more he wants to make sure NIL's taken care of he wants to make sure they got his back on this uh, dumb NCAA stuff that they're throwing at him he wants to make sure that they're going to take care of his coaching staff and he's going to have the resources to win and he probably does really want to go back to the NFL at some point maybe three years <laughs> from now you know like that's yeah. obvious that like he 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 lost to his brother that hurts that stings I got a brother too right um and, and that is you know, the, all those factors play into this contract negotiation where he has an agent. He can't go against the, He can't undermine his own agent while they're in the middle of negotiations. And the one thing the agent has is if you don't pay my guy, someone in the NFL is going to, right? The Broncos, if they don't get Sean Payton, they can't even talk to him from next week. But if they, you know, Broncos want to make a splash higher and Harbaugh wants to go to the NFL, that could happen. That's his leverage. He can't undermine his leverage. And the problem is we get all dragged along into this. And the bigger problem, because our feelings don't matter that much, recruits get dragged into this too. And now here we are again after we signed the 18th class, according to the 247 composite, last year after going to the playoffs and beating Ohio State. And then we go to the playoffs and we beat Ohio State again. And here we are again. And so he's undermining his own team by doing this. So Harbaugh's got to, at some point, talk to his agent and say, look, take some money off my table and put it on the other things and let's get this done. I'm sick of because this is hurting me and it's hurting my ability to win. And it, it, this, the longer this drags out, the lower everybody's value is. So whatever their problem is <clears throat> on the table right now, get it done. Right? Well, yeah, if... Jim Harbaugh wants to be here. He's shooting himself in the foot. Yeah. If he doesn't want to be here, I think you got to look seriously at Ward Manuel because he loses Eric Bockage. He's blindsided by John Beeline leaving. He had no idea that was going to happen. He has the Mel Pearson fiasco. He still hasn't put <laughs> Wi-Fi in the stadium. Like, <laughs> what has he done? Is there one thing that's positive that he has done in Michigan that you can say? 
I can't think of that. I think I think he re-signed Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, two years ago, sure, twenty twenty, when you had but, a lot yeah. of pressure to fire him. Yeah, and, no, uh, no real, no real beneficial deal. No real clear candidate to take over at that point. And I mean, Todd Anson, who's a power broker who knows Harbaugh personally, is going off on this guy on Twitter what? and airing some stuff that he's trying to get NAL collectives together and help the university in these regards. And he's getting shot down by Ward Manuel. And there's a lot of reports from inside the program that one of the big holdups in like getting our ducks together and like is some sort of benighted idea that pay for play is wrong. And that's coming from the athletic director. And I'm just, I don't know. It seems like everything that he tries to do is just like, what are you doing? And so for this to come up again a year after Jim Harbaugh said that he was done uh, speaks to some sort of discontent that he has with the athletic program and the athletic director, because there's some sort of negotiation going on with this funny money that doesn't exist. Who cares? Just give them the money. Like this should never have happened. And I think that is directly traceable to the fact that Ward Manuel has shown himself to be almost completely incompetent when it comes to making decisions. All right, so a, a couple of things here. I, um, in order with the, there's a report. It's being called a report. You didn't mention this, Brian. I, I just, I feel the need to clarify again this hour. There is a USA Today story referencing a report detailing a series of offers in the negotiation process. I'm addressing it because it is not a report. It is a post on my message board. <laughs> I don't feel <laughs> Wait, it's on USA Today? It's on yes. USA Today. It's on USA Today <laughs> saying a report surfaced that details the back and forth between Ward and Jim Harbaugh. It is a message board post. <laughs> verbatim post that appears on my board. <laughs> I've I've been there. <laughs> I'm, only, I'm like I feel I feel the responsibility not for the post, but I do feel the responsibility for the clarification because I checked. I I hadn't even seen the post until about 12 or so hours after it had been up. And once I did and saw the the stir it was causing, I asked some people, hey, does this look right? And they said there's some things in here that uh, have some accuracy to them. And there's a lot that does not So I didn't I didn't write on it, though went ahead and, you know, started vetting things for my own report. But again, if you see, because I see people in the comments right now talking about the, it is not a report. It is a message board post. Now to um, Eric Backage, you guys were the ones who schooled me on Eric Back. I thought it was my opinion that you you set a new salary bar for, for Eric Backage. I know they don't pay Big Ten coaches like that, but I remember Seth kind of ch chastising is the wrong word, but give me a reality check saying, Sam, it's unrealistic for you to think that Michigan is going to pay a, a baseball coach like an SEC program, right? You remember that, yeah. Seth? I You're telling me that? Well, but you why not? Me? Like, we, Michigan has more money than anybody than God. Like, if they could imagine, maybe he goes if they match or whatever, but, like, it's it's a pattern now, you know? It's not one thing that has happened. Michigan was going to have to pay more than Clemson was offering. That's so, I mean, who yeah. cares? Yeah. <laughs> who cares? Well, I, I, now, now we, now we have like four, like we have the two, we have beeline blindsiding to go, to go to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Well, see, think, think about <laughs> the this. Cleveland <laughs> Cavaliers. You. So you, but see that you got to take into account the circumstances. Number one, John beeline refused, refused to sign a buyout. Principally, on principle, but that's before Ward. His experience in West Virginia, West Virginia yeah. was such that he was never going to sign a buyout, ever, right? It, he was just, you know, it, period. It's a non-starter for him. And you had, and he signed essentially because with Cleveland because you got a Michigan booster that is his friend that is part of the, the courtship process, and it gives him a chance to escape all the things that are happening in college basketball at that time. You got the transfer portal, which he was now I got to record. I got to recruit my own, my own players on top of recruiting other players. And I see this NCAA investigation going on with guys paying all this money and people not getting punished for it. And I got a chance to go and, and chase this dream of coaching in the pros uh -huh. at some point, you got a convergence of all of these events. Now you can say, 
he could have he should have been insistent on John when we sign you to this deal because but the, the the extension that he got I think made him like a top six or seven coach in the country in, in pay. You could have gone hard in the paint at that time on John Beeline and said, if you sign this deal, you got to sign a buyout. I don't care what happened at West Virginia. Now, he didn't do that. He went ahead and signed a guy, and that leaves open the possibility that he can do what he did, right? So, I mean, how do you want to play it? Now, do you come off of that experience and go at Jim Harbaugh now and say, you know what? We'll give you this money, Jim, but you got to sign a huge buyout. You can't have it, but I'm not talking about you, Brian, but you can't have it both ways. You, you're criticizing him. Uh, some people are, I get this, for not getting beeline on a buyout and then come after him for trying to get Harbaugh on a buyout. I, I just, to, to me, the, the his biggest accomplishment as the AD at Michigan is going against all the advice that all the, the peanut gallery had in 2020 for signing Jim in, at, the, uh, at the highest levels, saying, if you re-sign this dude, your neck is on the line, too. It can work out, but if it doesn't work out, that's on you. Uh, yeah, I, I'm he sorry. I, then last year, and you could take over, Craig, then last year, when you got all these all these players, all these former players in that community, you know, Jim's guys and Ward's guys and all these guys in the former player community, when he was, you know, kind of checking it out with the Vikings, saying, why are you letting him do this? Why are you letting him talk to them? Why why are you letting him embarrass us like this? Cut him off, cut him off, cut him off. And then he calls back and says, I want to come back. And you sign him to the a, a deal. And, you know, give him the it was the Ryan Day deal at the time, right? You sign him to that deal, you give him a landing spot, and things uh continue to go on. And he All says right, so, it's not gonna happen again. Those are his two biggest accomplishments. Getting so them back. What he, so what he did. In 2020 is coming back to bite him now because so he decides this to keep Jim Harbaugh, right? And then he signs him to a cut rate deal, and I think Jim Harbaugh is throwing that back in Manuel's face right now because it's like, well, this is what it is, and like, well, I, I don't get that though because so like, it, like we're, we're, talk, we're talking about like the budget of an athletic department, and you're talking about the head football coach, and if they could afford to pay Jim Harbaugh what they're going to pay Jim Harbaugh extending him in 2020. That's a decision that you made. That's fine. The way they extended him in 2020 was insulting. Maybe like Jim Harbaugh thinks he's a good football coach, but you ask him to take a pay cut and now, now he's back and he's like, well, I think think we're getting stuck in the narratives. Who, like who, like who cares how much the head coach of the university of Michigan football coach makes? The people it, like, who wanted him fired. So, the, so the the contract extension that that Ward Manual offers the the amount of money doesn't matter. The decision matters, and then the amount of money. I, I mean, Michigan doesn't really pay players, so the amount of money that you're giving the head football coach when the money that you're bringing in is exploding does not matter. And your decision to give him a cut rate deal at that time, I think. You made a decision. It turned out to be the right decision, but the way you signed Jim Harbaugh, I think, is leading to this. And I guess I don't. I mean, if you are flirting with the Denver Broncos, you you're not interested in winning a Super Bowl. You are interested. First of all, you got to put yourself. You got to put yourself in Jim Harbaugh. I don't. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to put myself in Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, Russell Wilson, who's a billion years old and no draft picks. (laughs) If you are flirting with the Denver Broncos, that has nothing to do with that going to the NFL. See, man, this is a guy who looks at any opportunity as one he could turn around because that's he. Every team he's taken over has been a train wreck. Every single one, and he's turned it around. So I don't. Yeah, but you got. You got no. You got no. You got nothing there. That is that is and that is purely the Broncos want to make a splashy hire because they screwed up massively and they want to make it look good. That's from their perspective. From Jim Harbaugh's perspective, I don't think Jim Harbaugh is a big enough idiot to think that he can win in Denver. <laughs> I think he does. Do I think he's a smart guy and I think he's I looking think at he Russell Wilson. No, he he's no, there's no way. There's <laughs> no way Jim Harbaugh thinks he can win a Super Bowl with the Denver Broncos. I think he thinks he can win anywhere, but I, I'm still stuck on. Look, the opportunity, the the alternative in 2020 was firing him. So how oh, is signing so you, him to an extension? 
But the, the extension, if when, 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 when you sign him to an extension, you know, you saw, you signed him to like a face saving extension for the athletic department, where it's like, all right, we're going to keep Jim Harbaugh, but we're not going to pay him as much. And so you saved a couple of nickels and now you're, now you're in a spot where I think that Jim Harbaugh is still mad about that. And I think Jim Harbaugh doesn't really have a whole lot of trust with the athletic department. So why didn't, okay. So if he was still mad about that, then why didn't that manifest when the, when, when things happened last year, the Vikings thing falls through. Why is he calling saying, Hey, will you have me back? I want to want to be back for as long as you have me. I mean, it it can't be both. Cause Cause like, so he had the, he was going to take the Vikings job if he was offered it. He didn't get offered it. And then he's got to come back hat in hand and he's going to be like, all right, well, I'm sorry, but this isn't going to happen again. And then it happens again. It's like, what does that say? I mean, if like, maybe you can say like, oh, he wants to go back to the league because he wants to win a Super Bowl. I mean, sure. But he's coming off back-to-back Big Ten titles. He has unfinished business in the playoff. He has a loaded team coming back next year. So why is now? the time to go now is not the time to go maybe jj mccarthy turns into a first round pick next year and leaves and then maybe that's your exit if you're looking at this team coming back for michigan and you're looking at the nfl openings right now i mean the only reason you would be looking for the nfl this year is because there's some sort of lack of trust between you and and your your boss because I'm not saying that there's there isn't a disconnect. I'm saying I there's don't... if there's a disconnect, then there's the choice is clear, and it's Jim Harbaugh, and like maybe Jim Harbaugh comes back next year, and whatever happens next year, Michigan's going to be good enough. The NFL is still going to be interested, right? They're back to back Big Ten titles. They're super loaded next year, even if they lose to Ohio State. They're ten and two. They're eleven and one. Whatever. The worst case scenario for Michigan football in 2023 is such that he's going to get NFL offers next year. Yeah, and so yeah, for him to want to go now is flat out crazy. Can See, I, I agree. I, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But like, go ahead. what are they arguing about? We're all think we're all going off the idea that they're arguing over what the bottom line is. How much does Jim Harbaugh get paid? I doubt that is the sticking point. I bet you the sticking point is the buyout. Why is the sticking point the buyout? Because next year Jim Harbaugh is going, you know, McCarthy's gone. That at next year he's probably looking for he, he's going to want an exit, and Jim Harbaugh's probably going to want a buyout that is an NFL team is going to be able to afford. And Michigan's probably looking to say, no, we can't live that way. We want a buyout that an NFL team can't afford because we want to be able to go forward saying we've got a coach. And if Michigan. Michigan's needs are we need to have a coach, we need to have stability, we need to be able to tell recruits that you're going to come here, you're going to be fine, our coach is going to be here, it's going to be this superstar that the NFL wants and can't have. Harbaugh wants to be able to say, look, if an NFL deal comes along better than the Broncos, I want to be able to step out and, and, and take that opportunity. And the Broncos, I think, are just leverage. I think the Carolina obviously was leverage because it was just his agent calling Carolina saying, please talk to my guy. Broncos, they can't even talk to him about a contract or have a face-to-face with him until after they talk to Peyton. So what was the online meeting? It was leverage. It's all a leverage game, and they're probably not arguing about how much Jim Harbaugh gets paid. They're probably arguing about how what Jim Harbaugh needs to be Michigan's coach in perpetuity. Uh, I'd like to def- go back a bit and defend Ward Manuel a bit, uh, because we're, we're dealing with very partial information top to bottom. You know, what if Backage went to, went to Manuel and said, you know, I'm from Clemson. And you know what? It's warm there. We can actually play baseball there. We're not playing baseball in 10 degree days when it's snowing, like happens routinely in Ann Arbor. And so, yeah, you can match the offer, but it won't matter because it's enough money for me anyway. And, and, Clemson is my home and, and it's warm or a lot warmer than it is here in, in March. And so, and it, and it doesn't matter what you offer me Ward. And, and so that's a problem. And Ward could say, well, I'll give you a million dollars, but that impacts the salary structure across the athletic department on everyone Two, I agree with Sam that, uh, on the, uh, Harbaugh thing that, that word was brilliant. I thought I thought his re-signing of Harbaugh was brilliant, and it was laden with and and congratulations to Harbaugh on that too, and that and that Harbaugh gambled on himself coming off 
uh, that dreadful season and the fact that uh, COVID was, was impacting revenues and it wasn't clear when COVID was going to end or what the impact of this was going to be. And Ward took a 5% cut, as did other people in the athletic department. And so I felt like he said, you know, this guy is a really good coach. We're going to give him $4 million. And by the way, plus incentives, whatever it was, $4 million is actually, in my world, real money, because I think it's more than what I've earned as a lawyer in my lifetime. And so and 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 so he got real and so I felt like Ward's decision there and and his negotiations with Harbaugh were adept. And if Harbaugh resents that, that's on Harbaugh. And and as and as you far, can't wait, you can't say that. Yes, I can. No, you can't. You can't say that's on Harbaugh. If Harbaugh it is because that. he's getting Your job as a manager of people is to manage people. Yeah, and he did. As far well, as I can tell, he ended up getting a coach that that at least half the fan base would be happy to have gotten rid of at that particular I, moment. I, are we talking about? Are we really talking about? Is Harbaugh offended, or is his agent offended because that's a leverage? That's negotiation. No, well, no. That, I don't know the answer to that. So, I, here's two so, two to years clear, in a row. I want to be, be clear, you know, because he, he signed him to a cut in his base with incentives that allowed him to make all the money back, which he right. did, and, he, and to his credit. He and he gave it away. He, t- he donated to the to the department. <laughs> my my stance is this: I give him the 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 money that makes him the highest pay, or it should be Ryan Day should be the part. The comparison is not Mel Tucker because he signed an outsized contract, which Ohio State matched, and so now Ryan Day gets nine and a half million dollars uh, as a base. Right, I think it's nine and a half million dollars as a base. Which base? That to me is a compare a perennial playoff coach. Uh, the top of the Big Ten as a base, and then I'm with Seth on top of that because you know with that he made ten he made ten point one million dollars this year. Jim did right or somewhere along those lines. You could put him at a nine and a half million dollar base with incentives. He'll make what Nick Saban and Kirby Smart and Dabo Sweeney and the national championship winning coaches make. He'll make that at that point. But in to get that deal, I'm with Seth. I'm throwing a buyout in there. A significant buyout in there, so I'm I'm not dealing with this every single year. See, I don't no. agree with that because I don't agree morally or ethically with buyouts. I hear you. Yeah, no, I and I don't agree with them. I think they're wrong, and and I I'm with Beeline on it's this. A, it's a contract, so it's not morally or ethically wrong to sign a contract. Well, I, mean, I guess that's true in in some sense, but I but I wouldn't sign one with a buyout. I mean, and I would, and I'm with 100% with Beeline, well, and you know, Beeline was right about that. I don't well, think I don't think Jim's principally opposed to to bias. If he was, I mean, he's he's. I remember when when Brian John Marie when he went to interview with the with the Jacksonville Jaguars and mm-hmm. Jacksonville went to side him, and he had a buyout, <laughs> and Jim was like, Nah, 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 can't wave that buyout. So BJ <laughs> had to come back. Right now, it wound up working out for the best for BJ that he didn't go to Jacksonville at the time. But my point was, if he was Principally opposed to buyouts at that point, he would have he would he would have waived it and said, "I'm not gonna hold you to a buyout." Right. So, to to me, this is your protection if you're if you're Michigan. And so, d- how hard in the paint do you go on it is the question. Like, how high are you trying to make it? Because coaches, to to your point, uh, one of your I can't remember who made it, uh, Craig. To your point, coaches will some coaches will take it a certain kind of way, especially if it's really high prohibitively high well you, if it's that if it's that if that's the case that could be an issue and i agree with seth i think that that i think that that could be definitely part of the sticking point see, i don't see what michigan gains by a buyout i mean he's playing this game every year anyway right and last year it was with the with the dog ass vikings and 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 this year it's with the denver broncos are you kidding me and and so you know he's playing the game anyway, and and as someone said, maybe maybe all of us, he's just shooting himself in the foot with this. Forget about the damn buyout. Pay him, and if he wants to go, let him go. Uh, but you know, if that's what I feel like, and if he doesn't want to go, great. We're happy to have him. He's been a good football coach here. Well, and- I mean, maybe my perception of all this is just colored by the Pearson stuff, which is the dumbest single thing I've seen a non-dive that Dave is Brand totally fair. director do. That's yeah. entirely fair. Yeah, I got a hard time on that one, too. Yeah. <laughs> I, <do>. like, no. 
No, I think we're we're consensus on the whole male thing. Yeah, like, sure. I just I just can't like, and that's the thing that we have the most data on. Yeah, that's the clearest thing. And I'm just like, how could this person be a competent individual? Um, so I just I don't know. I feel like you, Jim Harbaugh is a guy who could be happy here, doesn't seem happy here, and he's looking for ways out. And it's like, well, why is that? Well, there's also, I mean, look, it's hard for people to accept the fact that he has a parallel dream. You remember when when he did that interview with Mel uh, Mitch Album coming back? You know, he talked about it. I'm not going to apologize. He told me this when I talked to him. He said, "I'm not going to apologize for looking at the NFL." I was like, "I'm not looking for an apology." He, and he said the same thing for uh, to to Mitch. He has a dream of coaching in the Super Bowl too, right? And so when he was talking about the Super Bowl, he said, "That's the pinnacle of our sport. It's the it's the apex. It's the alpha and the omega." Hey, but hey. Winning a national championship is pretty good too, right? So, I mean, in in laying out the the sort of comparison there, you kind of hear how important the Super Bowl is to him too. I think it's okay to have parallel dreams. I think it's okay for him to still want to coach in the NFL as well. And if part of your negotiation process is to want to be able to leave that door open, then we got to let that part of it play out too. And hope that they can arrive at a number that both sides feel is acceptable. Well, honestly, this is hurting his ability to come back to the NFL in the way that it's hurt. Michigan's recruiting class this year was bad. And for whatever reason, I think Jim Harbaugh's flirtation had a lot to do with it. So if he doesn't have that flirtation and he just goes back to Michigan, they got a better recruiting class this year. They're probably going to perform better in the future and the NFL's interest will be higher. So if he wants to go, this is hurting him. And if he needs to go, what he needs, he needs to go like Beeline went, where it's just like, see ya, no, no rumors, no drama, I'm out the door. And this constant, will he or won't he, I think is damaging his prospects to win not just a national championship, but a Super Bowl. And if he wants to win a Super Bowl, well, the teams that are interested in him this offseason are not teams that he's going to win a Super Bowl with. Yeah, there's a song by the Love and Spoonful in the '60s called "Did You Ever Have to Make Up Your Mind," and I, I would commend that to to anybody on this topic. I so. mean, there's there's a big difference between not having a quarterback, which was the situation in San Francisco, and having an albatross, which is what Denver has. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Um, I, the the recruiting piece is, I, I think it's. Um, you know, it kind of is what it is. It's the kind of the the consequence, the cost of of leaving that door open. And I think he uh, has found a place in his mind where he feels like they can overcome that, whether it's through the portal or through development, that whatever recruiting hits they take as a result, that they can weather those. Uh, I think their success on the field probably emboldens that stance. He, if he, if he that's what I he would, wants, though, man. He's gotta, right, I will tell if it's the if it's the right take, but I think that's his take right now. He's he's got to start. They got to figure out. I mean, we all got to take a big look at Sharon. I know we're probably short on time here, but we all got to take a look at Sharon this week and ask ourselves: Is this guy going to be the next guy? If Michigan, because one of the questions they have, I think, with offensive line recruiting, what I notice a lot is, you know, the players say. Is he going to be here? Because, like, I love to get coached by Sharon, but I'm a 2024. I'm not playing until 2027. Is that guy still going to be here? If they're going to have Harbaugh jump into the NFL in the next three years, they got to start figuring out right now. And, th- and that goes back to what Brian was saying earlier. Ward has to make decisions, and he can't sit and delay on the decision until he gets to the exact right number he wants to get to. You're Recruiting is hurting. The program is hurting. We're all yelling at each other. The value is going down as long as this goes on. He didn't make a decision fast enough on Mel. He didn't make a decision fast enough on a lot of these topics that we've talked about. And he's just got to do it. you got to make the call and move on. And that's, I think, been Ward's biggest problem, and that's what's hurting us again right here. You see, if I'm if I'm the athletic director at this point, what I say is fine. Harbaugh's our coach. No buyout. I don't care. Let him go when he wants to go, and we'll pay him, and we'll pay him a uh, you know a, a market what his market value is, and we don't need to worry about a buyout. And then I put in the the coaching staff post Harbaugh. Now, here's our next here's our next head coach. 
he's on our, you know, Sharon Moore. I don't know whoever whoever it is on the staff now. And so that everybody, would be how you mitigate the the recruiting. Yeah, and yeah. everybody here stays. Everybody here stays. Here's our next staff. Here's Harbaugh as our head coach. We're happy to have him. He can stay here. We don't care about a damn buyout because we don't even view them as ethical, and we don't need a buyout. We just we, Harbaugh is our coach. End of story. And here's our next staff. It's there. All these guys, they can stay. And and we're not moving them out. We're not doing the thing where when Rich Rod comes, we get rid of an entirely good coaching staff for no for no good reason, uh, except for the fact that we've hired a new coach. That was a disaster. Uh, and uh, one of the coaches told me it would happen. Uh, I was skeptical, and then then it happened. Yeah. Um, but the uh, so you want to solve it. That's to me, that's what Ward should do, but I I'm not crazy about jumping on the Ward is incompetent or Ward is an idiot because I don't think there's enough that we can know to, to, to get us to that point. I, I mean, I don't see that. All right. This was a great discussion, fellas. I pre- did, 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 have I told you guys how much I it was so good you, you never took a break. So. I never yeah, took- we never took a break. <laughs> <laughs> we almost, we almost <laughs> never took a breath. <laughs> I was like, you got to get out of here. We got to end early. So, uh, great discussion. I'm sure it's not the last time we'll talk about this. So, oh, I appreciate the hell out of you guys. You bring it every single week. Bring it again next weekend. Good luck weathering all of this storm on the map. If your message board is anything like mine, you're like, oh, my God. Here we let's, go again. Let's just keep our message boards off of USA Today. How's that? <laughs> all right. We got to get out of here, folks. Thanks for watching. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow on another edition of the Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 250 WTK The Ticket, the official voice of University of Michigan Sports Ann Arbor, a cumulus station.